Welcome to the Diamond Mind Podcast with Nate and Laney, where we listen to all 92 Diamond albums certified by Billboard. Today's album is... Bad Out of Hell by Meatloaf. Uh, and before we get into anything, here is our new segment. Welcome back to your music news. We've been gone for two weeks, so it's going to be... A good chunk. It's going to be rather rough. So I'm going to sit here and just scroll through my phone and see what I can find. Um... Okay, Genesis fans have been looking forward to a reunion, but Phil Collins says that he will not be behind the drums. Isn't that Aww, depressing? That's sad. Yeah. Uh, apparently, after suffering a spinal injury in 2007 that damaged the vertebrae in his upper neck, Collins has been suffering from nerve damage, and it's made him difficult to even hold drumsticks. That which sucks. is so sad. Um, Britney Spears is engaged, and her conservatorship has come to an end. Good for her. After finding that out, she actually cried for like two hours or something like that. So, we're proud of you, Brittany. Uh, people want Operation Ivy to have a reunion at next year's Riot Fest. Or maybe it's supposed to be this year's. I don't know. That would be very funny. Uh, the Met Gala happened, and we saw a lot of our favorite stars. Yes, we did. People loved Billie Eilish. If you haven't seen anything going on with the Met Gala, maybe go give it a look, see what you like and don't like with their outfits. Uh, Dave Grohl has come out with a new book, and he's currently on a book tour, and I saw a video of him playing a Nirvana song, and he actually played the drums while the song played. That's what's up. Which is probably crazy. That has to be something. Uh, Billboard Awards and everything, that'll happen. I have a list of winners, but I'm not going to read them out because this is a train wreck. Rolling Stone first published the 500 Greatest Songs list in 2004 when the iPod was relatively new and Billie Eilish was three years old. Since then, they have recently released a new list of songs and All Star by Smash Mouth was not on there and actually Smash Mouth, I think, was actually upset about that. Oh, <laughs> that hurts my heart. Um... Time 100 Most Influential People of 2021 features some of our favorite artists, including Britney Spears, Dolly Parton, Billie Eilish, um, Angelique Kidjo, I'm so sorry for that one, Bad Bunny, Lil Nas X, Kane Brown, uh, Willow Smith is on there with her mother, and Adrian Banfield Norris, but that's not for music, even though Willow is a musician now. Um, I'm sorry, she always has been. Excuse me. I went my hand back and forth. I went my hand back. <laughs> um, Guns N' Roses rumored to have another new single coming soon. <laughs> How exciting. <sighs> Let's see. Oh, Eric Clapton, he vowed not to play any shows that force people to have vaccines or negative COVID tests, but he actually ended up playing one. Huh. So he got a lot of backlash for that. Let's see, we're going to read. Oh, the Fugees will reunite. Reunite for a special tour celebrating the 25th anniversary of their landmark album, The Score. That's a little fun fact. Uh, Charlie Watts, we mentioned his passing a few episodes ago, I don't remember when it was, but the Rolling Stones are back on tour without him. He actually did give the drummer permission, but on their first show they said about how like emotional it was and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I've also read recently that Mick Jagger has said that every show they play, it's like a kind of like a closure, like a rejuvenate, like it, it helps them. Um, let's see, let's see. I don't know what else I have. Uh, watch me win. Watch me win. Ah, Weezer's Pinkerton turned 25. 
How about that? And Nirvana's Nevermind is turning 30, right? Mm-hmm. Or has turned 30. I don't know when that is. Um, oh, it turned 30 on September 24th. Congratulations to Nevena. Um, Nevena? Nevena. Alan Lancaster, the English bassist best known as a founding member of rock band Status Quo from 67 to 85, uh, passed away on September 26th. Huh. Rest in peace. Um, I have more award winners. Don't know what it was from. <laughs> Guys, it's it's been a little bit, and it's let me say, nothing has changed. <laughs> Cliff Burton, um, one of the, uh, he wasn't the original bassist of Metallica, but he was one of the original ones. He was probably one of the best ones, other than Robert, who's in it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, his passing away anniversary was 35 years ago from September 27th, so... There's that. Um, R. Kelly faces a 100-year sentence after his convictions. He believes he can fly. Mm-hmm. Johnny Ramone's favorite guitar sells for nearly $1 million at an auction. Um, the whole Naked Baby on the Nirvana cover, that thing's still going on. Mm-hmm. And Dave Grohl has stated that they've thought about different ways to maybe change the cover to cover that. It's so iconic, though. That's, That's like a top ten most iconic album cover ever. No, but the thing is, apparently, that it was supposed to be in the agreement that his private... Yes, was supposed to be covered, and it never was. And I think that's why he's losing his mind, despite the fact that we've already said that he has tattoos and he's played it up for so long. Mm-hmm. But Dave Grohl's willing to just be like, yeah, we can figure something out, be creative, whatever. Uh, moving on, David Bowie's long-lost 2001 album Toy will finally see an official release as part of the David Bowie 5 Brilliant Adventure from 1992 to 2001. Judas Priest guitarist Richie Faulkner hospitalized for major major heart issue. This came out on September 29th. Recently, I learned that his aorta ruptured on stage. Oh I, I saw the gosh. video. I saw the video of it happening. That, how does that happen? Did he just... I, and he said it was really rare. And most people don't even make it to the hospital. That's insane. And he's like, I'm pretty sure he's recovered. Which is completely crazy. Wow. And in the video, you can see he's kind of like... He's not really moving and stuff. And as soon as the song ends... And the song is called uh, Painkiller. Hold on, wait. I took a screenshot of this. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Hold on. Hold so on. you getting there. Maybe I didn't. But I think it was the song Painkiller. And then as soon as it ended, he just walked off stage and had to go to the hospital. Because it was for the... It was in Kentucky. It was at the Louder Than Life Music Festival or something. Yeah, that That's was crazy. Insane. Um, Alicia Keys has a new documentary. Britney Spears has a new documentary. I haven't watched it, though. But it's on Netflix. Um, oh, Mark Hoppus of uh, um, 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 Blink-182. Mm-hmm. He is officially cancer-free. Shout out to you, Mark. Great job, Mark. Um, Iron Maiden, somewhere in time, turned 35 on whatever Thursday was. What's today? <laughs> uh, Wednesday? It was September 30th. Congrats, Iron Maiden. 
Oh, and Green Day went trending on Twitter because of the whole Wake Me Up When September Ends thing again. Yeah, they always again. They do. They do every year. It's every year. It's like you're such a dork. <laughs> Let me read what Twitter says though. The usual quips about Green Day and their hit song are being made as September ends, but some are remembering its true meaning. Wake Me Up When September Ends, which the band released in 2004, is a reference to the work. To the words lead singer Billy Joe Armstrong said to his mother as a child shortly after the death of his father. I think it's something that just stayed with me, Armstrong said on the Howard Stern Show in 2019. The month of September being that anniversary is always, that always is just, I don't know, kind of a bummer. But he's even made comments about how people joke about it and he's like, yeah, ha, it's funny, but get a new joke. Yeah. So like, I kind of agree, get a new mm -hmm. joke. Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, and Snoop Dogg will be performing for this year's Snoop Super Bowl. Snoop D-O-double-G, baby. <laughs> that halftime show is going to be absolutely whatever. Uh, going back to the Rolling Stones being on tour, Mick Jagger was at a bar in North Carolina with Rolling Stones fans in the bar, by the way, and went unnoticed. How do you not notice Mick Jagger sitting there? I, I guarantee his breath stinks. Sorry. I just, like, he looks like it. He looks like the kind of guy. He has, like, bad gingivitis or something. You think with the amount of money that this man is made, he has gingivitis? Yeah. He got stank breath. Uh, comment, <laughs> like, and subscribe if Mick Jagger has stank breath. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Billboard Hall 100. Top 10 chart dated on October 9th. At number one, we have My Universe by Coldplay and BTS. Haven't heard it. Number two, Stay by The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Haven't heard it. Sure you have. You've heard You've heard that. <laughs> Told you to change. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. I have yeah. heard it. Number three is Industry Baby by Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow. Yeah, you heard that. Way too sexy. Drake. That's a banger. Future and Young Thug. I haven't heard that one. <laughs> I'm too sexy for this sir. Too sexy for your girls. Too sexy for this world. So it basically takes that other song. Yeah. That Prince too Johnny. sexy for this ice. Singing Shrek and took it. Okay. Uh huh. Fancy like Walker Hayes. Fancy like Applebee's on a date night. I hate that song. I heard it. Bad Habits. Ed Sheeran. Uh, Moving on. Good for you, Olivia Rodrigo. Kiss haven't me, heard it. No, Kiss me more, Doja and. How do you say her name? SZA? Yeah. I was just making sure I wasn't being stupid. Uh, Knife Talk, Drake with 21 Savage and Project Pat. <laughs> and then Levitating by Dua Lipa. My name's not Rick! <laughs> no! My name's not Rick! Is that the new segment? Yeah, and that's it with you music news. And we're back. And before I even get into social media, uh, it feels good to be back because we haven't done this in a few weeks, quite a while. Um, uh, if you haven't read on Twitter or anything, um, my computer broke at first, which was that was the initial issue. Yeah. Uh, now I usually edit all the stuff, and so we had um, clips. For one of the podcasts, I gave them to Lainey and she edited them on her laptop. And then we've just had a lot of band and school stuff and just everything has gotten in the way. And it's 
been an issue, and I've been also trying to figure out stuff about my computer and seeing if I can start doing the editing again, but um, for now we've got a compromise, and we are back. Did you watch that episode that I edited? I haven't watched it, I'm not going to lie. Don't be a fake fan. Please go watch it, because I need you to watch it. Okay, I will. <laughs> I need but you before watch. we get into the album, social medias, our Twitter, TDMPod, TDMPOD. Our Instagram, the Diamond Mind Podcast. YouTube, for any of you audio listeners that want to see our face or vlogs or anything of the sort, the Diamond Mind. If you look up the Diamond Mind Podcast, we should be the first thing that pops up. So, how about you get into the details of that album? This album was released on October 21st, 1977. So we're coming up on an anniversary, actually. Seven songs... 47 minutes long, and it went 14 times platinum. Let's just, let's just, 47 divided by 7. That has an average of 6.7 minutes per song. Well, the first song was 9.50, the last two were over 8, and then the middle ones were around 4 or 5. Uh-huh. So that's where we stand on that. So even their shorter, or even his shorter songs were, were long. Yeah, pretty much. So are you good to get into the actual songs? Yeah, let's get this going. Alright, the first song is called uh, Bad Outta Hell. Um, this is the longest song in the album. Almost ten minutes, like Lanny said. Um, I was just assuming, I mean, there's only seven songs on this album, so you can kind of assume that all of them are going to be these, like, long epics, which qu quite a few of them are. Um, this one comes in with this, like, jazzy piano, almost like you'd hear in a saloon, and that kind of sound happens throughout this album. Um, then there's just like this ripping rock and roll guitar, and it's really not what I expected from the singer of the song, uh, the, what, what is it, the, I could do anything for love, because yeah. that's the only Meat Love song I can think of off the top of my head. I thought you were about to singing <laughs> uh, No, no, no. Um, uh, he does, though, I wrote, he does sound like Jack Black. He sounds like, well, I guess Jack Black sounds like him, but, yeah. um, and I actually looked on the Meatloaf Wikipedia, and, uh, Tenacious D was on their associated acts, so, um, he sings like a medieval bard, uh, I don't know if it's ever really appropriate for a song to be ten minutes, but this is the kind of song that I can excuse being long, because it, it's so full of energy, there's... You're not going to get bored of this song because of how, I guess passionate is really the only word, like his vocals yeah. are, like he gets very into it, and uh, with the ripping rock and roll guitar, you're just not going to get bored. That's fair. Uh, like Nate said, he just hammers on the piano in the beginning. It's a solid minute, 54 second intro. Uh, it sounds like a rock opera, like a Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody mm -hmm. kind of thing, that's what I got. Which can take you into a whole bunch of other songs because it's all just, you know. And then it kind of cuts into your typical 70s, 80s rock song, I think. And I think that was the guitar that really did it in. Um, but we love the chorus. Absolutely love the chorus. There's a nice simple snare beat that picks up around three and a half minutes. And it sounds like one of those, you know, nothing can stop me. And yeah. Things like that kind of thing. And... I wouldn't be surprised if somebody told me that they had this specific song in a musical, which is funny because we later talk about how 
this album actually is a musical made by the um, composer Jim Steinfeld, which we'll get into. And they were supposed to tour in 2020 and postpone all of that. But he actually has a song or two in um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Which I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen that. I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. It's a musical. I think you're thinking of Jim Steinman. Oh, it is Steinman. Yeah, you said Steinfeld. That's Steinfeld. That's Steinfeld. Anyway, Jim Steinman. Yeah, 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 there is an instrumental break around six minutes with a motorcycle rev with more piano hammering and some guitar shredding once again. And this song didn't feel like a nine minute, 50 second song. No, it did not. I mean, I think we really enjoyed it. Oh yeah, I wrote his name, Jim, Stein, Jim Steinman. So I just made up a name. Um, and apparently he had a love for car crash songs. And he saw an operatic narrative within many of them and decided to write one about a motorcycle instead. Huh. Welcome to the song. Also, the album cover art, like it all kind of ties in. The song's protagonist is a boy who wants to take the girl he loves out of their dead end town, but dies in the attempt. It is traditionally the last song played at a meatloaf concert. How about that? <laughs> the next song is called You Took the Words Right Out of My Mouth, in parentheses. Hot Summer Night. Um, this is the longest song title on the whole 92 <laughs> Diamond albums list so far, and yes, hopefully is. there won't be one that's longer than this. Um, there was like some weird semi-sensual conversation going on between a man and a woman about getting eaten by like a wolf or something. I don't really know. Laney will get into it. Um, the chorus is a banger. Just very catchy. It's got these like 50 sounding doo-wop singers in the back for a good part of it. Uh, it reminded me of the Renettes and uh, I just thoroughly enjoyed this one. But I'll, I'll let Laney explain the whole the whole wolf thing because I don't even get it. Um, yeah, so initially I said strange narration. It lasts for 52 seconds if you want to know. I'll just give you the timestamp. The song is about the protagonist's first ever kiss with a girl and uses, like many songs on the album, vivid imagery and small details to help place the listener in his situation. The opening spoken word part seems to be about sacrifice, you know, offering your throat to a wolf so the wolf can tear it open, and perhaps sacrificing his kissing virginity. (laughs) The reception, um, it was mostly negative for this song, which, that's understandable, uh-huh. and it was due to the opening intro being too thematic and less entertaining. That is that is definitely a complaint I could have. Is uh, the, yeah. the intro is just, like, weird. It's a little too much, mm-hmm. personally. But after certain edits, it became more popular, but only charted at the 39th spot in the U.S. in 1977. I did enjoy the harmonizing from the women in the background, and I also thought it sounded like the Renettes and like that kind of doo-wop, take it back to the, you know, the decade before. And it was a very theatrical song, Mm -hmm. which you can either love or hate, honestly, take it or leave it. And I understand what it's trying to say, and it's it's not a bad song, but it's just not something I would, like, see myself listening to. Yeah. 
so we can move on from that. The next song is called Heaven Can Wait. Um, this one started off sounding lame, and I got nervous. I, I got too. very nervous. I did too. Um, his voice, though, keeps it entertaining. Um, Meatloaf can sing. Meatloaf, yes, he has a great voice. Um, Meatloaf can sing. Also, oh, yeah, my drawing of Meatloaf. Uh, Meatloaf? He's like, the best way to describe it, I tried to describe it earlier, there's a lot of energy in his voice. So even if it is just piano, like this song, where, like, I mean, and the piano player, to be fair, does go nuts during this, but even if it is just piano, Meatloaf's voice can drive the song to feel like you're listening to this loud rock and roll like oh my gosh this song is so powerful when it's really just a dude and a piano and um he's not even the one playing the piano by the way nope um I would really like to see this song performed in like a big open acoustic area like a big opera house or something where he could really just like yeah. get into it cause uh it's this song was so and the guy playing the piano, and he's just sitting there like, yeah! That would be so <laughs> sweet. That would be so sweet, but that's, that's oh about gosh. all I have to say about that. <laughs> it is a heartfelt composition, and it sounds like a twisted hymn. I took those from both song facts and um, whatever iTunes said about it. Here's where we get into more of the facts. So Roy Bitten Bitten. Yeah. From Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band was the one who played the piano on the song. Huh, how about that? And once you know that, if you actually listen to the piano, yeah. you can tell. I would have thought that it was just the composer and that he was just banging out the piano. I thought that's, that's what I thought it was. And according to Meatloaf, the first time he heard this song was uh, when Bette Midler sung it as a, like a demo. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know who Bette Midler is... The easiest way I can put it is that she was the red-headed witch in uh, Hocus Pocus. There you go. Um, For those of you that don't know what Lainey just said, here's an image. No. <laughs> okay. I'll insert. Um, where was it? Hocus Pocus. Oh, explaining the song, things like that. No, I moved on from that. Hocus Pocus. Speaking of, Hocus. it's October. It's getting close to Halloween. What do you it's, all do for Halloween? Halloween? Comment below. What's your favorite Halloween movie? Tweet at us or comment below. Do you below. like pumpkins, particularly in pie form? Do you like candy corn? That's a big debate, by the way. Well, how do you feel about it? I bought a bag today. I think candy corn's pretty alright. I bought one. I can only eat candy corn in moderation, though. No, it's it's the corn syrup. It messes with you really bad. I can't stuff my face with candy corn. And then side note, Lainey cut this out. That's what's up. Anyway, so... <laughs> um... But explaining the song, Heaven Can Wait because Meatloaf... What did he say his real name was? Do you remember? Wasn't it something weird, like Jermaine or something? And you're telling me Meatloaf isn't weird? Fair. Um, oh, it's Marvin. Well, that's better than Jermaine. Anyway, sorry if any Jermaine's <laughs> Sorry, Jermaine. But anyway, uh, Marvin has found paradise right here on Earth with his true love. It's a sweet, meaningful song with heavy piano and some strings. And we all know how I feel about strings. I enjoy them. 
Next song. The next song is called <laughs> All Revved Up With No Place To Go. Sorry, I was reading a text message. Um, first off, it starts off with Kenneth. Not really. But there's some sax playing and I got very excited. He should have been featured um, on the sax part. He was old enough. In the 70s? How old is he? he was, well, child prodigy. He would have been like 12. Fair enough. Um, there is like an upper harmony on the chorus that really caught me off guard. And I really hope it was Meatloaf and not a woman. Like, no. I really hope it was actually just his voice. Unless he, like, went back and recorded over the soundtrack, it was someone else. That's it was either that Ellen girl or whatever. I, I wrote a name down for it. Uh-huh. You all will find out. Or it sounded like Robert Plant. It does sound like or Robert Josh Plant. Or Josh Kiska if you're into Greta Van Fleet. But it has, like, yeah! Mm-hmm. Uh, his pianist is very into it. Oh, no, um, I'm sorry. Kenny G would have been 21. Oh, you just you got the numbers backwards. Yeah, he was born in the 50s, not the 60s. Um, I love the variety of sax on this song. There's there's a lot of high sax, but then there's also like a... I think it's a tenor or a baritone sax. A um, sax. When, when Meatloaf sings, especially in this song, and I don't mean this in a bad way, so don't take this in a bad way. It's like he's forcing the lyrics into your ears, just like... He is very pronounced in, like, here is my song, listen to me. I am, like, this is important to me. And I really, really like that. I really love Meatloaf's uh, vocals. Uh, the ending was badass. The pace just picked up, and uh, it was awesome. Right on. Uh, we basically covered the first half of my notes, but I could see this song being featured on Saturday Night Fever, which came out in 1977, or Grease, which came out in 78, which is actually kind of funny because they both have John Travolta in them. That's very weird. But it has a bluesy rock break within the song. I don't know if it's like the middle, middle end of the song, but I really enjoyed that. And I think I would listen to this one too just as much, if not more, than um, the title track. Next song. The next song, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. Uh, I'd heard this one before, I just didn't know that it was Meatloaf, honestly. Um, I really like this song. I love how passionate he is when he sings the chorus, and it, it's definitely something I could see myself driving in the car to crying, you know, just a vibe. Um, I really like how the song just slowly builds up and gets more intense as it goes on with with the mm-hmm. orchestration and and Meatloaf's voice and just the the hits that he has and you can really tell on like the Cracker Jack box line where all the instruments drop out and he's just like uh, there ain't no Coupe de Ville something Cracker Jack box. And then, in the bottom of the Cracker Jack I think box, that's what it says. Uh, and like when he says Cracker Jack box, all the instruments drop out, and then it, he's really just getting into it. I we felt that one hard. Though. Yeah, we we both sang that one out. <laughs> the orchestration on this whole album, not just this song, is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's done by brilliant. a professional composer. It's it's not only not only is Meatloaf telling the story with his words 
really hammering the story home with his voice, mm-hmm. but just the instruments in the back and the orchestra, it just, it's perfect. It's all very perfect in it. It very much so uh, complements Meatloaf's powerful voice. That's all I gotta say, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the bass really comes through in this song. It's very simple, but it's well needed. I enjoy a nice mm-hmm. bass line. And there's a quote from the iTunes or Apple Music, whatever, that says, turns balladeering into a blustering art form, which, as Nate says, is how it, Is that rain? Which, as Nate says, is how it really pick, picks up and everything. That is up. rain. Oh, my gosh. It is coming down out there. Great. I didn't even know it was supposed to rain right now. Didn't either. Anyway. Um... But it's a love ballad sung from the perspective of someone breaking up with their significant other, trying to explain to them why the relationship is going nowhere and is, at this point, loveless. Which, if you read the lyrics, yes, you completely understand that, but it is almost, like, gut-wrenching if you are are having that said to you. Uh Uh-huh, just, like, imagine that. That's rough. But it also highlights the importance of love in relationships as opposed to just, like, desire, you know, lust, Mm -hmm. whatever. And this is when you screamed, I love meatloaf. Indeed, I do love meatloaf. And I wrote that in all. I really do. Um, Speaking of, I haven't had a good, like, actual meatloaf in a very long time. Not that into meatloaf the food. School meatloaf, no, 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 no. If it's, like, homemade meatloaf, I could could get into it. Uh, But it all has the same taste. I have to be in a certain mood. It all has the same taste. Hit me around Thanksgiving, like, a week or two before. Oh, Thanksgiving. I'm so excited for Thanksgiving food. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, the next song is called Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Before I even start talking about the song, the song's about bump and fuzz for the first time. I was just going to let y'all know, because, like... <laughs> for those of you who <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to let y'all know before I get into the details of the song. <laughs> you literally just... Hey. No. <laughs> it's about bump and fuzz. So, the beginning of the song reminds me of uh, the beginning of Roll Over Beethoven by the by the Beatles. Well, it's a yeah. Chuck Berry song, but the Beatles recording. Um, I had heard this one, too, and I didn't realize it until the chorus. Um, this, this song is a much better first-time song, Be Catch My Drift, than, than that J. Cole song. Because, man, I hate that song, and I really don't like J. Cole. Um... Sorry, Jacob. <laughs> I was, there was a certain point, though, where I was like, how are they going to do this for five and a half more minutes? Like, the, 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 yeah. it was getting a little bit stale. And literally, right after I asked that, the beat just, completely switched out of nowhere. And it was, it was perfect. I loved it. Um, then it, it had like baseball announcers, you know, like the baseball innuendo, like, Getting a home oh, run, he's going you back know. To second base. Oh, yeah. he's on his way. Just that was a nice touch, and then there's build up of of the instruments and them as they reach closer to climax, and then it just drops. Everything drops out of nowhere, and the woman's like, "Do you love me?" No, time out. Before it gets to that, though. It says something like, what are you doing? You're like, stop what you're doing. And you scream. Oh, yeah. Did I, I get caught? I got scared. That shows how into it I was. How the orchestration and the voice and the story, everything. I was so into it that literally when uh, it was like, stop what you're doing. I screamed 
did they get caught? I was so invested in this imaginary story. Let's take a side note for a minute. We're just going to go off path. You can listen in. So, this is from Pretty Woman for all you fans out there. Anyway, but there's like a line where he talks about, he takes her to an opera and he's like, people either absolutely love it or absolutely hate it because of the voices and the orchestra and everything like that. Let's go to an opera. I, Let's see Nate, let me go to an opera. <laughs> That'd be so fire. Um, Shatters the camera lens. Anyway. <laughs> this song is very funny. Uh, is. The the orchestration with along with all the, the motions of the nasty uh, just go well together and uh, I found this song very entertaining. Don't listen to it with your parents and it'll yeah, make you I would, blush. I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to it in the car with my mom, but Oh my god, no, that'd be so... <laughs> that'd be... What are the odds that you have to listen to that song with your mom? My dad's heard the song. We literally but talked about it. But with your mom. my mom. Like, in the car with your mom. You have to play this song. What are the odds? I don't know, one through ten. Okay. She's probably like, what is this? One, two, three, four. Ten. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> What's that SpongeBob episode? <laughs> 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 Where he's sitting there with the secret box and goes... <laughs> Insert. Okay, anyway. Um <laughs> We do a podcast. I'm done with your notes. Yeah. Okay, great. Nice about the dashboard light. It reminded you of Rollover Beethoven? Yep. Okay, and then it reminded me of Crazy Little Thing Called Love by Queen. Compare the two if you'd like, but um, it, it does have a very iconic Chuck bass and guitar rhythm, and then like the beat I think is very similar for everything. It just carries over. Music repeats itself. I don't know. But Meatloaf plays the character of a 17-year-old boy in a parked car with a 17-year-old girl, played by Ellen Foley. She's a girl I was mentioning earlier, um, and I think I might mention her again. I'm not sure, but as Nate said, sliding in, you know, going in for the home run. And it is a complete switch up at 320, and my notes just reset, so give me one second. A complete switch up at 320 where it speeds up and turns more into a kind of a funky song. Just like a nice funk rhythm. Mm -hmm. With the baseball game narration in the background. Quite comical. And then Ellen sounds like Bonnie Tyler, and I actually had to look up who's in the song before I got here. And her part of the song where she's like... Do you love me? Are we going to end up together or whatever? It just sounds very clingy. Uh-huh. And we can move on to the last song. All right. The last song is called For Crying Out Loud. Um, it has an emotional sounding piano opening. Uh, I was talking about how Meatloaf has the perfect voice for these build-up intense songs. Um, this is a good song to end, to end the album. Um, still intense and in the Meatloaf style, but it's a slow burn. It's a slow burn. It, it it builds up throughout. This is like the second or third longest song in the album. It's like eight minutes, 30 seconds-ish. Um, there's like four minutes of like, or three minutes of just like piano. Just piano and him singing. Um, but then there's just these massive slamming guitars and and orchestral string, or not not guitars, but like, orchestral strings. I, I just wrote strings. That's why I got confused. Yeah. Strings and crazy good drums and 
it, it, it was just nice. It was a good way to end the album, and then it all drops off, and then there's just two minutes of just kind of like a, basically just like a sayonara ballad, like, hey, thank you for listening to my album, is what it felt like to me, like, yeah. it just dropped dropped all the instruments out of the, blo- the bottom, and it was just Meatloaf and the, the piano again, it... The album, all in all, has been very pleasant, and that was a very pleasant way to send off the listener. Yeah, you're talking about how his voice fits. For a minute, he did kind of remind me of, like, Robert Smith from The Cure, if you kind of get into that genre, Mm -hmm. where it's more of, like, a gothic rock, I think. Um, But for this last song, it started off very slow, and in my head, I was thinking, you know, come on, Mr. Loaf, you've done great so far, don't let us down. But of course, I knew he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Loaf, <laughs> sorry, I just processed what you just said, bro. Continue. Okay, but this track references uh, many other tracks on this album. For example, Meatloaf proclaims his love for somebody who was there for him despite everything. There's motorcycle symbolism, a multi-part structure several false endings, and operatic vocals. It's a doozy. Indeed. Nate said it was a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. Um, This is a quintessential meatloaf track and the perfect closure to the bombastic Bat Out of Hell. Um, During this song, though, Nate and I, we made some jokes. We listened. We loved the string section. Is that what you said you loved Yeah, the I, I was really yeah, okay. into the strings. Um, the string That's section. where I got confused and said guitar. Yeah, okay. Around four minutes, and Jim is a great composer, and this album, along with his many other artist collaborations, really shows and reflects that. Uh, it's a good finish to the album, and it sits at 56 on the list. So, so 1 through 92, where are, you, where are you putting her? I would. I wrote 40-ish. Um, because I don't know. We have a lot left. I'm not going to lie. I liked this a lot. You're. This could. I'll be generous and say top 20, but this could be in my top 10, lady. I loved this album. I did not expect when I was going in that I was gonna like Meatloaf, because the only song I could freaking think of was. I would do anything for love. He's got so much more than that. So much more than that. It's just, it. all of the music is so impactful, and you, you feel it in your soul. I felt I it wonder, in my soul. I wonder if his voice is still there, because Robert Smith's is, which is really crazy to think about. I wonder if Meatloaf's has stayed the same. I don't know, but Meatloaf... You and uh, R- Rob Steinman? Ron Steinman? Jim? Jim Steinman. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of. <laughs> never mind. Um, Jim, okay. Jim Steinman. Bless his, bless his name, Mr. Lord. Steinman. Uh, you guys created a wonderful album. Uh, and I loved it. And maybe it'll move down because we'll listen to a lot more other wonderful albums and they'll get in my top 10. But mm-hmm. for now. This is on low on my top ten, high in my, like, high teens, low top ten. Okay. Sorry, I'm tired. I yawned. Um, yeah, okay. Alright, well, 
you have anything to say before I get into social medias and stuff and wrap this up? Um, for social medias, I guess I'll just say follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast, follow us on Anchor, however that works, Overcast, Pocket Cast, whatever you've got. Um, rate us five stars on the Apple Podcast. Um, release, we recently, I actually pressed the button by accident, but we um, did the thing where you can have a monthly donation to us. It doesn't have to be a lot. Literally a dollar. I think the lowest one is like 99 cents. Um, so if you're feeling generous, you want to dig into your money bags, feel free. But you don't have to. You don't have to. No, you don't have to. I literally just pressed the button and then it set it all up and I was like, okay, well, I guess we're doing that now. Yeah, we just do this and have a good um, time. But if you do, then we can have some crazy better setups and... More chalk <laughs> markers. And qual better quality. Yeah, the chalk, mar chalk markers. Uh, maybe a green screen, an official ring light. <laughs> yeah. My bedroom, like... Yeah, I gotta show y'all this whatever. setup at some point. Um, More vlogs, things like that. Yeah, whatever. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Like, comment, hit the notification bell. Comment down below. I think I already said that. Subscribe. That's one I didn't say. No, I said it all actually. Um, yeah, you can tweet at us. Follow us on Twitter, which Nate will get into, and like and comment on our Instagram, which Nate is also about to get into. The Twitter is TDMPod, TDMPod. The Instagram, the Diamond Mind Podcast. Um, we're on there every single time the podcast goes up or if there is like a situation like where we couldn't get a podcast out that week, generally you're getting a couple day notice on the Twitter. Um, maybe not the Instagram because Instagram's a little bit less convenient with just like posting stuff off, yeah. of, off the rip because you have to have like a picture and blah, blah, blah. But the Twitter definitely, um, the Instagram still gets posted every single time a podcast goes up though. And I guess that's about it. It's been good to do this again. Oh, yeah. I can say this. So, we do have a thing that we haven't done anything with it yet, but hopefully soon we will be doing something with it. Uh, follow us on TikTok at The Diamond Mind. I think it is. Let me double check. Also, follow our YouTube. All you have to do is look up The Diamond Mind Podcast. First thing that pops up. Yes. Our TikTok is... Um, I think it's the diamond line. I don't know. I follow a lot of random I, I believe it's the it's diamond It's called line. Diamond Mine Podcast. Diamond Mine Podcast. So follow us on there. And apparently we have um, seven followers already. Hello. So uh, we will be posting just short little clips like funny. Is that your phone or mine? What's playing? <laughs> I guess I got like an ad or something. I don't know. I love um, technology. Anyways. Follow us on there. We'll be posting clips and stuff. This has been the Diamond Mind Podcast with Nate and Lenny. We'll be back at you next week with ZZ Tops Eliminator.